food eaten at night is more fattening than the exact same food eaten earlier in the day. You know, that old um, adage to, you know, uh, breakfast like a king, you know, lunch like a prince, uh, dinner like a papa, that's really probably the best way to go front-loading our calories towards the beginning of the day where our bodies can best handle it. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, we are ringing in the new year with a huge show. We are going to learn everything everything you need to know about getting going on a plant-based diet. We will be helping you make this the healthiest year of your life. And we're going to be doing that with some of the most renowned nutrition experts in the field today. Dr. Michael Greger, he will be here. He will be here to teach us how not to diet. You know, Americans are spending more than $30 billion every year just to lose weight. $30 billion. But as we spend all of that money, obesity rates are still skyrocketing. And we as a society, we are heavier than ever. So where in the world are we going wrong? Well, Dr. Michael Greger, he is here to share his thoughts, and he will be acting kind of like a a GPS for weight loss, keeping us on track and preventing us from getting turned around. And then I'm going to be joined by Dr. Jazz. Dr. Jazz making her debut on the show. Dr. Jasmal Sardana, a wonderful plant-based physician. She will be here to give us Vegan 101, answering those questions that so many of us might have. How do I do it? What steps should I be taking? What are the ins and the outs? She'll be here with those answers. And then once 101 is checked off the list, we will be moving into the advanced course. And for that, I will be welcoming Dr. Neil Barnard back to the program. He's going to be playing professor as we revisit a conversation that he and I had, one where we shatter the myths about vegan diets, the same myths that make many of us hesitant to make that switch in the first place. Everything from getting enough nutrients to athletic performance. And once all of that has been put to bed, Dr. Barnard will be doubling down on the health benefits, the same benefits that can make this the healthiest new year and the healthiest you. But before we get there, Dr. Michael Greger gets his turn in the exam room. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. I'm really excited about our next guest because, man, if there was ever a book that speaks to the heart of everything that I try to do, this is it. He is the author of the new book, How Not to Diet, and he is a legend in the nutritional game. With that, we welcome Dr. Michael Greger to the show. Welcome to the program. So excited to be back. 
This is the follow-up to How Not to Die, and now here we are, How Not to Diet, going into the new year. And I want to start by asking you this. I came across a stat that the CDC put out not too terribly long ago that showed that the number of people who were just overweight was actually kind of at a plateau, but the number of people who are obese is skyrocketing, which means that we're not just getting, you know, we're, we're getting heavier and heavier and heavier. What is the disconnect when we hear so much about health now in the media? What what are we doing wrong? Yeah, in fact, uh, yeah, uh, the latest predictions are half of the American population, not just overweight, but obese by uh, 2030, um, with significant increase in severe obesity as well. Um, uh, no, it's really, it's shocking. Um, and we shouldn't become complacent about this uh, this epidemic which is, you know, contributing to increased risk of cardiovascular disease, and cancer, and, and arthritis, and diabetes, and on down the list. And so uh, we need to lose weight. How are we going to do it? That's what I wrote the book to find out. With so much nutritional noise and nonsense these days, I just wanted there to finally be an evidence-based diet book. And so, you know, I cite, you know, literally thousands of studies digging up every possible, you know, tip, trick, tweak technique you're proven to accelerate the loss of body fat uh, to give people every possible advantage and basically build the optimal weight loss solution from the ground up. Yeah, How long did it take for you guys to sift through all of these studies? Because in some of the things I was reading about the book, obviously you didn't just read blogs summarizing these studies. You guys actually <laughs> read them cover to cover. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah there's, uh, there's about a half million studies uh, published in the um, English language, uh, peer-reviewed scientific literature, um, and about, uh, you know, uh, 100 uh, new, uh, new articles published every day. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, you'll see in the acknowledgments about 100 uh, uh, research uh, volunteers that, uh, that helped me out with this book. It uh, took about a year. It was the biggest uh, uh, research project I think I've taken um, on in my life. Like, I just didn't, I underestimated how much uh, time it would take, and that's why it's, you know, almost 600 pages with nearly 5,000 citations. I mean, it is, I just wanted it all. I wanted to answer every question that people have, bust every possible myth, um, and, you know, and uh, lay it out. Not only address every, you know, the downsides of the diet's been tried to date, but really laying out, um, uh, you know, the most evidence-based path forward. Um, uh, and, uh, and I'm really happy with how it came out. I'm excited that it's getting such a good uh, reception. Let me ask you this. One of the things that is covered in the book is the gut microbiome. That's always a hot topic among health nuts. What is the role between gut microbiome and obesity? Oh, oh, it's remarkable. So I mean, we used to think that our the good gut flora um, in our colon was just, you know, had to do with bowel regularity and, you know, preventing you know, inflammation like irritable bowel or something. But now we know. But our gut flora plays critical roles in uh, in organ systems throughout the body, so immune function, even psychological health, um, metabolic health, and so for example, uh, the uh, good gut bugs in our colon uh, eat fiber, eat these prebiotics, fiber and starch, and produce. We feed them; they feed us right back with these short-chain fatty acids like butyrate, which are absorbed back into our bloodstream, circulate throughout our system, go through the blood-brain barrier into our brain, dial down our appetite. So, for example, um, you eat, uh, you know, like a whole grain like barley um, at night, and 12 hours later, the next day at lunch, 
Um, uh, uh, more than 12 hours later, you, uh, uh, people feel full about 100 calories earlier, just as full 100 calories earlier, um, because by that time, your good gut bugs are getting a little taste of the bounty, producing these compounds to dial down your appetite. Um, where something, uh, you know, these protein-rich foods like meat, for example, um, don't even decrease intake even hours later at the next meal. Um, forget, you know, to, you know, two meals later the next day. Um, so that's why, uh, so that's why I, I, uh, I highlight some of these fiber-rich foods because that's what's used to feed our good gut bugs. How sensitive is the gut microbiome? Because I'm kind of wondering if a person eats a clean plant-based diet for, say, six and a half days out of the week, but then they always have that one big cheat meal that's laden with, say, fried chicken and cheese, what effect does that have on the microbiome? Oh, well, it's actually, I mean, your microbiome is um, uh, very flexible such that within 48 hours, you know, even 24 hours with a big enough extreme. So there's a famous study done where they switched people to a strictly plant-based diet and a strictly animal-based diet, not just like a regular diet, but literally just um, meat, eggs, and dairy. And they could get um, a massive shift in the microbiome within 24 hours. And the thought is that that flexibility has kind of evolutionary roots where, you know, we're eating plants day in, day out, but all of a sudden someone brings down a woolly mammoth and then, you know, we're eating meat for the next few days before going back to our plants. You know, our gut bugs need to be able to adapt to that. Um, and uh, so there's really tremendous uh, uh, flexibility, um, but, um, but, so it's, but it's the day-to-day stuff that really adds up. Now, it doesn't really matter what you do any birthday, holiday, special occasions, but the day-to-day stuff. So, you know, on day-to-day, we should really uh, try to center our diets around, you know, whole plant foods, fruits, vegetables, uh, beans, and whole grains as much as possible. Now, it's not just a matter of what we eat, but also when we eat. And I know that that's something also that uh, you talk about in How Not to Diet. How big of a role does meal timing play in terms of weight loss? So what are the best times? What are the worst times to get a bite to eat? Yeah, it's amazing. Because of our circadian rhythms, food eaten at night is more fattening than the exact same food eaten earlier in the day. Um, so that's why I encourage people to fast after 7 p.m. The fewer calories we can eat after sundown, the better. That, that's that's fascinating to me. So even if it's a if it's a healthier food, say a hundred calories worth of mango, it's going to have a, a more detrimental effect after the sun goes down. Well, I mean, I'm saying that eating a mango is not going to have a detrimental effect, but in terms of the amount of body fat you lay down, um, you're laying down less body fat to that same mango. Um, and your blood sugars will will um, uh, spike higher. Um, basically, every uh, uh, and your appetite's higher as well at night. Um, and so uh, these are all things that kind of go bump in the night. That's why um, really we should you know that old um, adage to you know uh, dine breakfast like a king, you know lunch like a prince, uh, dinner like a pauper. That's really probably the best way to go front loading our calories towards the beginning of the day where our bodies can best handle them. Speaking with Dr. Michael Greger, he is the author of the new book, How Not to Diet. And of course, as the calendar flips to the new year, everybody's gung-ho for these New Year's resolutions. And at the top of that list is, in fact, losing weight. And for so many people who are struggling with obesity, they'll do so well for so long. And then they hit this weight loss plateau. And it just seems no matter what they do, 
they just can't get that scale to move any further. In your studies, what have you found is the reason for this plateau? Oh, the reason for the plateau is because uh, people are no longer uh, cutting that many calories from the diet. I mean, so they start out, you know, saying, you know, cut, you know, cutting 500 calories from their daily diet, and they start losing weight. But then there's an exponential increase in the calories they eat. So by about two, they're only eating 400 calories less, then 300, then 200, then they're eating no calories less. Um, and poof, they're not losing any weight. That makes, and you say, well, wait a second, wouldn't they be aware that they're not eating, that they're not sticking to the diet? No, because their um, appetite uh, shoots through the roof. I mean, if you eat, just eat smaller amounts of food, if you're talking about just restricting qual- quantity rather than improving the quality of food, you're eating smaller portions, you're going to be hungry all the time. Your appetite shoots through the roof. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, you lose weight and all of a sudden, your appetite, it just gets so ravenous that, um, uh, you know, eating 100 calories less is as difficult as it was at the beginning, eating 500 calories less, because your body wants to gain back that weight. That's why um, the, 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 those weight loss approaches just don't work. But, I mean, the key, the, the difference, the key difference with plant-based nutrition um, is that, you know, people are encouraged to eat ad libitum, meaning eat as much as you want, no calorie count, no portion control, just eating improving the quality rather than restricting the quantity. So people aren't hungry, and that's the kind of, um, you know, uh, the diet you can stick with. Plus, you get the, you know, boost in energy and digestion, sleep, all that other good stuff. But, look, people won't know how good they're going to feel until they give it a try. That's right. And you're talking about less calories. One of the things that I stumbled across on your website, nutritionfacts.org, recently was a piece on calorie restriction and longevity. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Yeah, so it turns out that um, uh, so many species um, um, get a boost in longevity with calorie restriction, but it turns out it's not the restricting calories, it's the restricting protein. So it's actually protein restriction, and they're just they're eating less, and so that's why they're eating less protein. But you can get the benefits of calorie restriction without the hunger by eating a plant-based diet, because then you'll get more moderate, more recommended um, levels of protein. You cut down on the branched-chain amino acids and um, some of the sulfur-containing amino acids that uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, are shortening our lifespan um, through either an IGF-1 pathway or a TOR pathway. There's a bunch of different ways. In fact, this will be the really the centerpiece of my next book, um, which will be out December 2022, How Not to Age, which will be all about longevity. I'm going to be talking about some of those pathways. Wow, you're already looking ahead to the next book. You just dropped this one. You're a busy guy. Uh, and I got a 200-city uh, book tour coming up in the next 10 months. So uh, this is, yeah, this is a busy time of the year. Absolutely. Hey, I can't let you go also without talking a little bit about food addiction. That was something that so many of us also struggle with, myself uh, definitely included. Uh, what are some of the most addictive foods out there? In my conversations with Dr. Barnard, he's talked a lot about fat and with sugar. But what would you say are some of the foods that we should really be steering clear of? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the ones that combine the both of them, right? It's what's called the frosting effect. It's the combination of high fat and high sugar um, that is really the worst. And so if you think about it, in nature, there's no such thing as a high fat, high sugar food. Um, There's some high fat foods, naturally high fat foods like nuts and seeds, some naturally high sugar foods like, uh, you know, fruit, honey, something like that. But in nature, you don't really see fat and sugar together. They both draw us. 
um, we both have evolutionary triggers for it. Really, there's only one natural food that's high in both sugar and fat, and that's human breast milk. And so we evolved to crave the breast, um, and then later in life, um, the, the, the food industry can tap into those cravings by making frosting, by making, um, you know, you think of all the kind of sugary, fatty concoctions out there, ice cream, right? And it's the pot, you know, chocolate, right? So, so, so the, some of the most addictive foods are those combinations of sugar and fat. So uh, for people who have um, those kind of issues with foods, those are the foods we want to stay away from the mostly. And going back to that theory of that one cheat meal, forget the gut microbiome aspect of it, but if somebody is struggling with food addiction and obesity and thinks that they can have just one candy bar, what would you say to that notion? Well, see, right. So the problem is not the candy bar. The problem is that then they'll slip back into their old eating habits. You know, there's some people, they're called social smokers, where they can literally pick up a cigarette or two at a party once a year and never get addicted. It's really quite remarkable. And so, I mean, there's no science on the planet that's kind of, that can tease out that, you know, someone who smokes two cigarettes a year is at any higher risk than, you know, lung cancer than someone who never smokes at all. I mean, it's just, you know, but the reason that doctors say, yeah, just smoke a few cigarettes a year, the reason we say don't smoke at all is because for many people, that one cigarette leads to one pack a day and on then they're, they're addicted for the rest of their lives. So similarly, um, if you're having those issues with food, I mean, it's not that one food that's going to get you. It's the fact that then you're going to slip back into your old habits um, and then when you're eating those kind of foods every day, that can really lead to serious problems later on. And I'm sure that you're going to talk a whole heck of a lot more about this up at the 2020 Community of Wellness event in Rochester, Minnesota, March 19th and 20th, presented by the Lotus Health Foundation. I'm going to be there as well. It's going to be great to see you in person. I'll probably have some more questions for you by then as well. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. And you can get your tickets to that at lotushealthfoundation.org. And, of course, the new book, How Not to Diet, in stores now. We've also posted a link below in the show notes for this episode or just head on over to Amazon to pick it up. Dr. Michael Greger, thank you so very much for your time and a happy new year. Thank you. You, too. and looking forward to seeing you in person. How Not to Diet is already shooting up the charts on the New York Times bestseller list. It is definitely worth picking up a copy to keep yourself on course. And it's also a great gift to pass along to someone in your life who's also looking to get healthy. Because, you know, there is so much buzz out there about getting healthy and losing weight and keeping the weight off. So a book like this, it is definitely a great way to get their plant-based journey off on the right foot. And if you want to help them out, here's another way too. You can just pass this show along to them. Just subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really wherever shows are available, and also leave a five-star rating because when you do that, you'll be helping us climb some other charts, the Apple Podcast charts. And the higher we climb on them, the more people will be able to discover this life-changing and life-saving information. And the best part, it really only takes a second to do that. So please go ahead and press subscribe and leave us five stars to make the world a healthier place. And I promise we will continue to do our best to educate and entertain. 
My next guest, she also knows about making the world a healthier place and about how to make that switch to a plant-based diet go as smoothly as possible. Dr. Jasmine Sardana, a wonderful physician from the Barnard Medical Center, she is here right now to answer the question that blocks so many of us from getting going on that plant-based journey. How do I get started? It's a fine question, so let's find out. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for joining us today as we continue to take a look at the question, by golly, how do I go vegan? That's the big question. It's like, well, you hear about all of these great benefits that are associated with the plant-based diet, but then if you're not familiar with it, if it seems super foreign to you, that how do I do it? That could be a real, real stopping point, a sticking point. A hurdle that a lot of people just can't get over. So let's help them get over that hurdle today. Helping me to get us over the hurdle is somebody who knows an awful lot about this. She is Dr. Jasmine Sardana from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Chuck, for having me. You have such a fun personality. We've done the Facebook Live before. I'm going to call you Dr. Jazz. That's my name. That I'm Dr. Jazz. Right on, Dr. Jazz. <laughs> All right, come on. Well, let's let's sing a tune about plant-based <laughs> diets, right? All right, so here we go. Uh, how does a person go vegan? I mean, that is really the biggest question because when I was still overweight, right? Yeah. Of course I wasn't ready to go vegan at that point yet. But also, I didn't even know like what it was, how to even start it. Okay. But when I finally got there, I was still like, I was that person like, okay, I'm ready to go, but what do I do? Wait, how? Yeah, right? Yeah. Loaded question, but mm -hmm. that's my first one to you. How do you go vegan? That's such a great question. Um, it's a tough question. And the reason why it's tough is because it's going to be different for each person. And I know that um, there's going to be a general formula. There's going to be a couple steps that I'm, I'm going to lay out here for the listeners. Um, but the one and the first step that I think is most important, and, and I think your story, Chuck, resonates with so many people because you found your why. And that's the first step in going plant-based um, is figuring out and going vegan is figuring out your why. Why exactly am I doing this? You know, am I going vegan? Am I going plant-based because I want to be healthy? And then ask yourself why again. Mm. Why do I want to be healthy? Okay. And then you, you ask yourself why a few more times and you get down to the real nitty-gritty and the core of exactly why you want to be healthy and why that's so important and why that has to be the first step is because during those challenging days when you're like, oh, you know, I really just want to stop in for a quick, you know, fast food fix or, or no, I can't do it that day. That's exactly that core, that message or that reason is what's going to push you through and sustain you. And that's what you're going to be able to pull from. So step one, figuring out truly um, being honest with yourself exactly why you want to make this change. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, a big one and you know I, I will tell you from my own experience it was it was a number of things but the, the biggest one that I talk about is wanting to live to see mm -hmm. 30 you know it's, it's a scary thing being 420 pounds and you're only 26 wow. and barely being able to walk across the street without your chest starting to tighten up on you and 
having this inability to breathe. You can't catch your wind. And, it, you know, it's scary. Like, right. those are the things that you hear about when somebody's having a heart attack. But this was like with every step that right. I took, you know, and I was like, there's just no way mm-hmm. I'm going to live that much longer if I do this. That was a big one. And I, I'll tell you the other big one for me, and, and we'll get back to the how to, but yes. I, I really hope that somebody's listening that can identify with this, uh, you know, because I got up to a point where, Dr. Jasm, I had a 66 inch waist. Wow. And if you shop in a big and tall catalog, Mm -hmm. the majority of them only go up to a 70, and if you're lucky, a 72-inch waist. So what happens then? Right. I'm in my 20s, and I'm homebound. right. Right. Like, I had life ahead of me. I had things that I wanted to do. You know, I couldn't have a girlfriend. I couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. have a great career, you know, that I would want if I, you know, just even couldn't buy buy a pair of pants That's because right. they didn't exist because I was so large. That's a, that's a why. That was my why. So that's what's so key. Being able to, right, you've, you've whittled down to, you know, just that little bit of a detail that I want to be able to fit into the clothes or buy a pair of pants that are actually going to fit me. Yeah. Right. Um, and it might sound... Um, superficial advice but you know whatever your why is is important and how and however many of those whys um, a person can uncover honestly for them you know that's what's going to sustain you and that's what that's what's going to help you on your journey and help you stay on the journey is that tough to get to the core of the why as i'll call it it is you know so when i see my patients upstairs at uh, barnard medical center that's one of the first things that I do is um, I do a lot of, um, I speak to my patients very differently. Um, yes, I'm an expert and I, and I dole out a ton of advice uh, when I need to, but um, I'm of the belief that all of my patients that come in to see me, specifically when it comes to diet and nutrition and their health, um, whatever problems that they're coming to me with, the solutions are already within them. Mm-hmm right? The power and the ability to be able to change themselves is already within them. So recognizing that is is key and fundamental. So when I talk to my patients and I ask them um, their whys, oftentimes, you know, people tear up. They they cry because it, it is. It's really tough. It's really hard sometimes to be honest with ourselves to figure out well, one, to be honest, to say, well, you know, I got, I let myself get to this point or I haven't been as healthy as I would have wanted to be at this point in my life to recognize that and to be honest and truthful about it. Um, and then to, you know, think about, okay, now the next step is figuring out how am I going to get better and right. what, and what is going to push me? What's right. going to keep me going? Right. It, it can be tough. It can be hard, but it's powerful. I, yeah, I would think like that must be some of the most rewarding things uh, to, that that you do. Like one of the more rewarding parts of your job. You're like, you know, part doctor, part psychiatrist, you know. <laughs> but really, it, it is about finding that motivation, you yes. know, because the, you, you said that there were going to be tough days when you're going to just want to go through the drive through yes. because you think that you're crunched with time and right. that's that's when you're being tested yes um I, I can tell you like yeah man there are so many times when i wanted to throw in the towel and give up and quit and i did yes and what happened you know right. i would have lost 30 40 50 sometimes mm-hmm. 80 pounds and it would that that one time i would throw in the towel man like that just that was that slippery slope that began and then the weight would come rushing back on 
That's right. So getting to the core of, you know, when you're faced with that obstacle, what's going to push me through and help me make that better decision or or to make the best choice. Um, And when you're able to uncover you know, however uncomfortable or um, um, hard that might be to uncover that why or your reasons for doing it, that's really what's going to sustain you and, and push you through. You find that people, when you do find out what their why is, or they find out mm-hmm. what the why is, that they have a higher success rate? Absolutely. You know, it's it's really, as you said, it, it's rewarding and it's it's it never gets old because sometimes in the office people actually have that epiphany right in front of me yeah. so you kind of see that in their eyes as they're like oh oh that's why i want to get oh okay um so it's kind of yeah uh, but yes so once they're able to do that then i get messages in the portal oh you know this is what my weight is or this is you know i've been able to incorporate these changes that we talked about in the in uh, during our visit so I would also imagine, though, and and I promise we will get down uh, Mm -hmm. a a little bit more into the fundamentals of a plant-based diet, but this is is such an important step for change. And I will say it's an important step for change, not just for changing your diet, but literally any kind of change that you want to make in your life. Like, why do you want to change that behavior? Um, A lot of times, though, I would think that people come in and you ask them, well, why are you here? It's, well, because I've got a cold or I've got the flu or I just don't feel bad. This has been happening. And that's kind of the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're not ready to get to the core of it. How do you deal, you know, with a patient then when they're not ready? To, to really get to the crux of what yeah. brought them so that's a really great question. So the um, so the background of asking patients what their why is is understanding. So there is this um, behavioral theory, uh, the theory of behavior change, and what that supposes is that each person is in a different stage of change. So um, they are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance stage. So at any at you know all of us, uh, depending on whatever change it is, you're at one of you're in you fall into one of those boxes mm-hmm. so it's really key and important it's something that we don't learn in medical school but i think it's so important especially when it comes to behavior change which is so key and fundamental when it comes to changing your diet in um, recognizing and understanding which bucket or which box your patient your family your patient your friend is in um, so being able to recognize that there there are going to be patients who are just not ready who are in pre-contemplation stage who are just not ready to hear it uh, or to make that change but that's okay so pre-contemplation is the stage where they don't even know it's a problem. Right. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Right. I, can, I can keep eating whatever I'm eating. It's right. fine. Contemplation is, okay, they, they're starting to think about, okay, maybe I need to change. And in either of those stages, what's important or what the intervention that the, the physician or the provider can, uh, can do at that point is to continue to provide encouragement, to be non-judgmental, and to provide information. You know, making sure that they um, steer them towards resources that are really important for them. You know, documentaries, websites, the PCRM website, Forks Over Knives, um, you know, your podcast, resources, nutritioncme.org, wonderful resources that they can go and learn and start thinking about more uh, about their change. That's that's a really good point. Uh, So often people will ask, I want to help my friend i want to help my family member and i just keep talking to them and talking to them and talking to them but they don't make that change sounds to me like that person that is in the pre-contemplation stage that's exactly right and it can be tough for us sometimes because when we hear something really um exciting and it's worked for us we're 
you're super excited. You want to tell the world and you do, which is awesome. And you have that opportunity. But not everybody is going to be you have to understand that not everybody is going to be at that same stage as you. Right. So just understanding that um, for those listeners and, and uh, who um, deal or have dealt with that issue, just keep doing you. Yeah. Be that example. Yeah. Don't be judgmental. You know, let, let go vegan, be plant based um, and let them see the changes that are happening in you and let that be the example for them. That said, I also know that if this is somebody that you really care about, it can right. be very frustrating. This is very true. Yeah. Very, very true. You, it, it, it can be. And if, you know, it, it really depends. So if that's your husband uh, or if that's your wife that's in the same house as you, that can be really frustrating and challenging, right? Um, and, and again, you really just have to be nonjudgmental. Um, you have to have a a large dose of grace and and um, and you have to really be strong within yourself because it can be really tough to live oh, yeah. in a house or to live in uh, amongst roommates or others who don't eat the same way as you. Um, so if anything, I think your resilience and your resolve will grow yeah. um, faced with that daily. So you're, it's, it's going to be a benefit to you and you'll be an example, end up being an example for the others around you. You do. And, and my wife and I will joke about this is she doesn't eat as, as clean as I do. Mm-hmm. And um, she, she is definitely 100% plant-based, but you know, just not that, that clean, sure. whole food, whole plant-based, food. Sure. you know, type. And, and, but we have that level of respect for each other. That's right. Like she, she's not Absolutely. like trying to, well, eat this, eat this cookie, you know, eat these cakes. It's, you know, they're vegan. You're good. You right. know, put on this vegan butter on your toast. Right. Like it's, it's cool. Right. You know, I got that. And yeah. she respects that, you know, and like, you know, if she wants to cut that stuff out of her diet, God love her. You right. know, I'm, I'm good with that. But, you know, do you, boo. That's exact. Do you, boo. <laughs> 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 so, that's what I tell all my patients. Do you, boo? Yeah. But I also know that she does watch and she does pick up on mm, these things because yes. when I think that she's not, she'll come out of left field and like drop this thing. Like she's been listening to the show. And it's like, well, I just heard Dr. Jazz say this the other day. I didn't know that. I'm going to tell my mom. Right. You know? There you go. And then you hear about these things and that's what it's like to lead by example. example. Right? Uh, absolutely. So when the person is ready, they will come around. So know your why. That that's is right. that is the big one. That's that's a huge one. Very big one. But I did get this email from a listener. I always ask about what what can we answer on the show for you guys? What topics can we can we touch on? And I got this one from a listener named Andrea. She wrote me on Facebook. She said, can you talk about the how to do more plant based? How will that help? I'm not talking about the standard eat more of this. I'm talking about describing the process. Walk people through it. What does it look like? How do you eat a plant-based breakfast? What do you buy? How do you cook it? The food, the smells, the taste, the ease of it, the produce, you know, the nuts and bolts. And as we're talking about changing diets and that big question at the top, how do you do it? Yes. That's what Andrea is talking about here. Perfect. Um, So now that we've gotten or talked about figuring out your why, which is important, I think it's great to kind of step uh, to the nuts and bolts a little bit. So planning and preparing ahead of time is going to set you up for success. So I think the next step, what I've done in our in in my journey um, and with my family has been to do a kitchen and a pantry purge. Mm. 
And and I say this to my patients all the time. The joke is, you know, if the devil doesn't live in your kitchen, if the devil doesn't live in your pantry, he's not going to tempt you. So why do, why am I going to put Oreo, a bag of Oreos in my in my pantry if I know that I'm not going to be able to resist it? Why would I do that to myself? Right. 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 I do it all the time. Um, and so kick the devil out, like take out whatever it is in your pantry, in your kitchen that you know that you're not going to win that battle with as soon as you open that for you know, you're going to go for it, you know, you're going to go to it. Um, get rid of it, get it out of your kitchen. And and you know, what's really um, going to be what's going to help you be even more successful is if this process is done with with your family, right? If you're doing it with um, others who are living with you, if you can get everyone or as many people as possible on board, um, the more successful that you'll be. So that's going to be first step for me. Sure. It's just going through and, you know, people, I, I hear this from my patients a lot. Well, you know, I have a bunch of uh, beef and like frozen in my, um, in my freezer or I have chicken or, you know, and Let I don't want to waste the food. That up first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, and I tell them, you know, it's not doing you any good. It's, it's, it's absolutely fine. If you want to donate that, or if you want to, uh, you know, do something else with it, but it's not going to, it's not going to benefit you. And I understand that they want to be conscious of wasting that food. Mm -hmm. uh, but the priority really here has to be you and it has to be your health. I, I think that also when, when you're talking about making s such a, a big change in your life and, and altering your diet, that is a huge change because mm -hmm. food is so much a part of this culture. But when you're talking about that, even if the people who you live with aren't making those mm -hmm. same changes at the same time, the fact that they're not in my opinion anyway, is not an excuse not to try to do that for yourself. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned before, keep doing – you do you, boo. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> keep doing you um, and and stick with it. And if you figure out your why um, – you know, all that other chatter or, you know, the others who aren't eating the same way as you, even if they're living in the same house, um, you're, you know, you're, you'll start to become immune to that a little bit. Right. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because it's not uh, going to be completely easy, but you'll get stronger. Yeah. And with each good decision and choice that you make, the next one gets a little bit easier. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And and there are, you know, like tons of other great resources uh, out there, you know, like you're asking like, well, walk us through the process. What does it look like? So what does a typical plant-based meal look like, I guess, for you? Because it, really, the menus can be all over the place. You know that. Yeah. Like, I eat more, a wider array of food now than I ever did before. Absolutely. So what does it look like? So for uh, for me, I, I'm really lucky in that um, both uh, my husband and myself, we come from a really rich cultural heritage. We're both Indian. We eat a lot of flavorful foods, a lot of spices, a lot of vegetables. Um, so when you when I was I did, I was a bit concerned about, oh, when I go plant based, how am I going to make sure that these things are still going to be a part of our diet? And I realized very quickly that um, even when we before when we ate you know, eggs and chicken, after cutting that out, after a while, you don't miss it any longer. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, what a typical food, uh, typical plant-based meal looks like has a lot of flavor. 
It has a lot of herbs. It has a lot of spices. Um, but typically, it's a vegetable, a green, and a whole grain. Uh, we eat typically um, brown rice or basmati rice at home. And sometimes uh, for the children too, we'll do a one-to-one mix. Um, if they, if if it, if they, if I get a little bit of um, backlash about just brown rice, right? I'll be like, okay, fine. We'll throw in a little bit, and then slowly we'll we'll work on that. Right. Uh, I pick my battles, <laughs> and uh, we do a, lo- a ton of fruit at our house. So one fun thing I like to do with fruit, especially for my kids, um, is that I do. I'm big on fruit platters. Like I will do it up. Like there will be like ten different fruits on the platter, um, and my kids love it. And we'll arrange it in different. So I've done like banana um, palm trees. Um, so you take a stalk of bananas or like you cut a banana in half and that's yeah. like the stalk of the palm tree yeah. and then you uh, peel some oranges and that ends up being like the palm fronds oh. and then I make little the blueberries at the bottom so and, and like I mean I think all good moms kind of trick their kids a little bit so. that sounds really nice all good moms <laughs> lie to their children I didn't say lie, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, Come fine. Come on. <laughs> but they loved it, uh, and they love it. So we get a lot of fruits that way, just as you know, just as putting it out, and you'd be surprised. Just present. So I am also of the belief that we eat with our eyes first. Yes, right. So absolutely. presentation is also a, that's a whole another topic we can talk about. But I certainly have noticed that even just putting out plain fruit, which you, most people would think, oh, it's just fruit, but arranging it, putting it out really nicely, it's really enticing, and my kids love it. So that's a huge part of um, dessert, you know, in our house, or even a snack. It's, a, it's a, that's in our house. So um, that's typically kinds of things that we. Eat. Yeah, th- th- that's that's good. So that's typically the kinds of things that you mm-hmm. eat that's right and and i think that this is this is a big key and something that a lot of people kind of people want the nuts and the bolts and they want a how-to and they want you know everything kind of handed to them and right. and it's a great way to get going to have somebody walk you through that we have a phenomenal 21 day vegan kickstart yes, app yes. that that walks you all the way through the grocery shopping to the menus for the first three weeks as you're transitioning to a plant-based diet but here's the thing right so you get started with Mm -hmm. something like this this is why it's called a kickstart that's right but not every and i will readily admit not every recipe on here really appeals to me right i can't stay on a quote-unquote diet if what I'm eating doesn't taste good to me. Thank you. Right? Absolutely. So it's about what find finding out what works for you. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So that you mentioned the 21 day um, kickstart app, which I think is such an amazing resource. And when my patients come to see me, that's really what they want. Um, oftentimes, is, you know, I really need meal planning. I want you to just tell me exactly what to eat on this day on this day and that day. And Maybe that'll work for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can say, okay, Chuck, make sure you're eating this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I can give that to you. Um, but it, it's similar to, you know, you can, um, you know, give a man a fish or you can teach them how to fish, right? right so right. this is great to start off with. But my follow-up question to my patients are going to be, that's great. I can tell you exactly what to eat using this app. But after that, you have to you have to do a little bit of that work. So what I tell my patients is to print out a... Um, to print out a um, a calendar, like a calendar sheet for the month, mm-hmm. and physically write out what they're going to eat for each meal of each day. Um, so they've done that kitchen um, 
the fridge and the pantry purge. And so now they're left with an empty kitchen and an empty pantry and they have nothing what in now? it. Right? Now, yeah. what, now what do I do? Yep. So the next step is going to be, or simultaneously, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. You're kind of doing it at the same time, is I also tell my patients to um, – Figure out the foods that you like. I mean, we all kind of know all the things that we like, um, but it's key to kind of write it down a little bit, to write them down and to say, okay, this is what I really like for dinner. This is my go-to for lunch. Mm -hmm. This is what I really like for breakfast. And, and starting off with the foods that you already like, and if it happens to have meat in it, consider or figure out how you can remove that meat or what you can replace that meat product sure, with sure. or dairy with to start off with. And once you get going and you have a week or two weeks or three weeks worth of meals, um, start or at least start with one week. That, that might be a little bit overwhelming. So start with a week worth of foods that you already know that you like um, you know, and, and um, turn them into the plant-based versions of it. And then start experimenting, research, go on Instagram. There are amazing accounts to follow. Go on Pinterest, um, whatever those resources that you look to, to find new recipes to try. I, I know I happen to enjoy cooking, but I recognize that not everyone does. Right. And that's an important piece. So I'm not saying to go out and you have to cook every single meal, um, but it is going to be for your benefit and for your health to be able to find two, three, four, five, six meals and recipes that are going to be your go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing a little bit of research um, and figuring out what those recipes are. And once you find those recipes, the ingredients are right there for you. For sure. So that automatically becomes your grocery list. For sure. And as you start to go grocery shopping for those new recipes or the previous recipes, that's how your pantry, that's how your new fridge and your new pantry starts to get built up again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my go-tos right now that are in my pantry... Um, for specifics, for, for listeners who'd like to know specifics, I have dried chickpeas, I have red lentils, green lentils, yellow lentils, um, different types. I have. Um, I'm noticing a theme. <laughs> I have uh, kidney beans that I cook in my uh, slow cooker. Um, I have black beans at home, I have pinto beans at home. So I've, I have a ton of, of protein in my pantry um, that is great because they're dried. And I also have some that are canned and I have some that are in, yes, some are canned, some are are dried so that, you know, I can decide whether or not I'm going to, if I need it quickly or not, uh, I can choose the uh, canned foods uh, and rinse it, uh, obviously. Um, But if I, um, if I am planning for something later on, I know that, you know, things aren't going to spoil in my pantry, having these dried ingredients or pulses available. So that's what I currently have. um, I have, um, uh, oh, we can talk about a vegetable broth as well. That's another key piece of, of how to go plant-based. So as you're creating your recipes, this is a little bit of a side note, but it just popped into my head and I thought it was important, is as you're cooking or you're starting to make these recipes, you're going to have onion peels, you're going to have you know carrot peels, you're going to have vegetable you know things that you probably would have swept up and thrown into your composter or in your bin, trash bin. Um, what I've done... Um, and more recently now is I have a big uh, Ziploc bag that I'm throwing these vegetable scraps in and I throw them in the freezer Ah. and I leave them there and then the next time I cook I take those vegetable scraps and then I open that up and I throw them in that in the in the uh, Ziploc bag and eventually that Ziploc bag is going to get big what you're going to want to do is throw it in a pot of water and 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 boil that down and there's amazing flavor and nutrients and wonderful things that are in that and that becomes your own personal 
personalized vegetable stock wow. that you can use to make risottos and to make rice and uh, soups and stews and all sorts of things. So that was just a little side. Food but. hacks with Dr. Jazz. <laughs> I love it. No, that's that's pretty easy. Um, I think another thing that somebody might be wondering about, though, uh, specific to, you know, what does a plant-based breakfast look like? Yes. <laughs> I think maybe the question there is, well, if the standard breakfast is eggs and bacon, well, how can we make that plant-based? You were talking about making a list of your favorite right. foods. So specific to that, I would say go with the tofu scramble. Absolutely. Super Love easy. It. Like Love that's it. as easy as making scrambled eggs. Yes. I, I just recently went on um, a quick trip with a family member, a few family members, and I had my family member taste my tofu scramble, and they were like, that, is that, are those eggs? Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was delicious. So tofu scramble is a great go-to for breakfast. My kids eat oatmeal uh, the majority of like almost every single day. And I make it fun because we do like a little um, oatmeal bar. So I have all this, you know, um, freeze-dried strawberries. And you know, if I don't have fresh fruit at home, uh, mangoes, berries, nuts, um, raisins, coconut, uh, you know, and so it, it they enjoy it. They love it. So we do oatmeal bars for breakfast. What do you What do you season your uh, scramble with now? Unless that's a proprietary secret. Oh, um, I actually like putting in a lot of um, Indian spices. So I do cumin. Um, so <laughs> I think the key to tofu scramble or the secret is um, black salt. Ah, oh, I've heard that. It kind of gives it that egg flavor, right? Yeah, it's this. I, we it's that egg. It's that sulfur like egg flavor mm -hmm. so that's the key um mm -hmm. with tofu scramble is that black salt and you can get that at um at any you know grocery store specialty grocery store well here's the yeah. yeah you know one of the the things that we talk about a lot around here too is you know the cholesterol that are f found in eggs and this tofu scramble eggless so that's right all the flavors zero the cholesterol uh, there is a win, great win. recipe by the way in the kickstart app the yes. 21 day kickstart app uh for a tofu scramble and you look at the picture that's on there i'm not sure that the camera can pull this up but i mean it's it's pretty they just paired the tofu scramble with a little bit of whole wheat toast and some fresh berries that's all you need yeah it's delicious yeah you know, I'm on board with the berries, man. Berries are what's up. <laughs> oh, yes. um, so, you know, it, it's things like that for breakfast. But if somebody comes to you and they're like, man, Doc, I would go vegan, except I love that country fried steak and biscuits <laughs> and gravy for breakfast. You know, like that's that's a little bit more difficult to, to replicate. How would you, you know, suggest, you know, coaching them to get off that, get that, that off of their plate? Yeah, that's so, you know, what I would ask my patient is, so I know that you really love that you're I love that meal. That sounds like you enjoy it a lot. What are some other meals that you've eaten in the past that are healthier that you also enjoy? Because, you know, that's not the only meal that most often, hopefully not, that they're eating for breakfast. So not to digress or to divert, but to really, you know, pull the blinders off a little bit and mm -hmm. say, I know you're focused on this and you think that that's the only reason why you're not going to go vegan. Mm -hmm. But let me pull the blinders off a little bit and say, hey, you know what? You actually have eaten other foods that are actually healthier for you. And let's maybe start from there. Sure. Because sure. that's really tough. But to, yeah, talk about the other. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, once you get going, I think that what I found also with a plant-based diet is that it's kind of like this this 
these they're steps, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you just keep climbing a little bit higher, and, and as you progress, it gets a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier as you learn more and more. So eventually, you know, you may get to a point where you're not just eating a plant-based diet, but you're you, you've eliminated oils and things like that, which That's right. kind of brings us to a question mm-hmm. that Andre was also asking about: is well, how do you cook this stuff? And one of the things that you'll hear about as you make this transition is something like a water saute. Yes. What in the heck is a water saute? So a water saute is ju- is, is simply just that. You're using water to saute your onions and your garlic, uh, whatever your uh, mirepoix, as it were. Ooh, uh, <laughs> it would be uh, before whatever your starter is going to be, your flavor starters are going to be um, before you make a dish. So just eliminating oil altogether, you know, throw in a couple tablespoons of water, throw in your onions. If you have a really good nonstick pan, you probably don't even need the water. Mm. Um, and you can add the water or sprinkle that in if you need to, if you start to notice that things are sticking. Um, but I have made meals at home without oil. Um, the other day we did uh, taco night mm. at home. So I did onions and peppers. Delicious, right? Right. No oil. And nobody noticed at all. Wow. Except their coronary arteries probably noticed. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Right? That's cool. So just using plain water. And sometimes you don't even need to do do that depending on your... I will say this. I, I love sautéed mushrooms. Mm. Uh, I can't do those without water. Yeah. Because those, those take a little while to, to build down. Especially if you get the frozen kind. Um, yeah. The, the Whole Foods makes a, a delicious bag of frozen mixed mushrooms. They have a oh, wide variety. Oh, I haven't tried there. that. Oh, it's not bad at all, Doc. So it, before yeah. I went plant-based and vegan, mm-hmm. I thought mushrooms were evil. What? I Oh, my best friend will tell you that I I don't think I ate a mushroom until – very recently, like out of, you know, like I didn't choose to eat a mushroom until very recently. And now that I have, and it's part of my diet, this is the testament to becoming whole food plant-based is that even though I've had, you know, the opportunity to eat a wide variety of types of foods in my life, um, becoming whole food plant-based opens you up and kind of forces you a little bit to try these foods that you always thought were off limits or that you didn't like, or, mm-hmm. or you told, you told yourself the story about them. For sure. I love mushrooms now. There you go. It's um, that's what we had in our tacos. That was that was the, the meat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's really that's cool. Like I, I find mushrooms to be really just super versatile. You can get yes. the big ones, you can get the small ones. With the big ones, you can do portobello burgers. You can do barbecue with yes. them. Like there's so many different things. By the way, uh, another you know thing they, we have phenomenal mushroom recipes in this app as well. Um, mm. You know things things to get you going. Like yes. if you like barbecue, just try this. Yes, just try it. Mm-hmm. See see what happens. I think that you'll like it. Um, I was speaking with um, Jeff Dunham, famous comedian, ventriloquist. Was yes. not that long ago. Uh, he loves barbecue. Texas guy, right? Loves barbecue. And he was telling me that, you know, he really has not had a problem with getting barbecue now that he's plant based, mm. even. Like he thought that that was going to be a problem. Right. But nah, you know, his options are open, whether it's, it's mushrooms or. Um, Jackfruit. Jackfruit is another. I mean, jackfruit. Let me tell you something about jackfruit. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks super funny, but it is also super tasty. Amazing. I mean, they, people do amazing things with some jackfruit. I've had the pulled jackfruit barbecue sandwiches. Yeah. So good. Yes. Delicious. I believe that they've uh, catered them upstairs here for lunch. Yes, is that they when have. you got yes, it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly when I've had mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? How do you go vegan? Come work at the physician's <laughs> committee where we cater your meals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, we could go on and on. There's so many different steps that we we could get into as far as the nuts and the bolts. Um, how do you cook it? You were talking about, you know, just getting that boost of flavor instead mm-hmm. of cooking rice with just water. Use that vegetable Broth. stock that you were yes. creating. You know, that's a little bit. I would imagine the same thing for quinoa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the smells. I mean, my kitchen has never smelled more aromatic, but in a good way, you know, right, as long as I'm right. doing the, ki- the cooking and not my wife. <laughs> Love you, honey. Uh, well, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Jules, you know I love you to death. I'm looking right in the camera. I'm talking just to you and you alone. When I came home last night, I still had to waft, you know, the, the smoke was so thick. She had burned dinner. I asked, what What were you cooking? She said, I was just trying to boil water. <laughs> oh, Okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I love my wife. She is very talented in very many oh my ways. Gosh. Just cooking just is oh not dear. her strong suit. You know, cooking is not her why, Doc. No, that's uh, not her. <laughs> <laughs> her cooking is my why. Yes, yeah. that's your why. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah. so like, it. you know, if somebody's looking just for the nuts and the bolts and the tastes and the ease, you know what? We can't wrap up without talking about this. Okay. People are hearing about, you know, how do we cook this? How do we make this? How do we make that? Is the vegan diet super complicated to cook? It's not. No, it's, it's not. Um, you know, they're not paying us, but I have an instant pot of, uh, uh, at home, which is this Super handy dandy pressure cooker slash TV slash VCR. I don't know. It has like all the VCR. You're bringing it it back. It plays your old VHS tapes. It has like every single function possible. Um, So so when you talk about does a vegan diet have to be um, hard? No, I worked. um, So last night I ended up working late. My husband came home and threw in um, potatoes, peas, and carrots into our Instant Pot with onions, garlic, and Indian spices, turmeric, um, cumin, and coriander powder, salt, and five minutes. I kid you not. Okay, that's not counting like the peeling and the chopping of the vegetables. Fine. That's Mm -hmm. okay. You can add Mm -hmm. another five minutes and maybe add another 10 minutes for like corralling the children. (laughs) But he threw everything in, turned it on five minutes, and it was done and delicious. Wow. And it was, yeah. it, it, It really... I think when you think about anything being hard or anything being easy, it comes down to the story that you tell yourself about it. Mm. Um, and oftentimes what I find for in my own life and in, uh, when I speak with my patients, uh, the only person that's standing in their way is themselves. Right. So if you change the narrative about going plant-based, about trying, if you're considering it and say, um, you know, if, if you're telling yourself or what you're hearing you know, are telling yourself right now is, what if it's really hard? What if it's really difficult? You know, I implore you and I challenge you to say, well, what if it's really easy? Yeah. What if it's going to be just fine? What if I find out that it's going to be really, really enjoyable? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it really just has to do with the narrative. So if you're worried about it, 
you know, just change the narrative a little bit. It, it's not going to be that hard. Yeah, you never know. Uh, and I hear that time and time and time again. Like, I'm so privileged to be able to talk to so many different people on the show who share their stories. And really, one of the universal themes out of that is, I thought I was going to miss this. I yeah. thought I was going to miss that. But I don't. It's this fear that we put in our own minds yes. that prevents us from getting started. That's right. And I don't, I've really, I've never felt like I'm missing out on anything. No, no. You sabotage yourself. You trip yourself up before you even get to the to the starting line. You do. Right? Like psychology plays so much a role in this. Yeah. And, and like that needs to be a whole other show. It's like thinking back at all these little excuses that yeah. I would create for myself. That's right. So I would not change. Yes. It is, it is complete self-sabotage and, and. You know, none of the reasons or excuses were mm-hmm. ever really valid. No, no. You know? The, and thank goodness. And, and look at you now. Right? Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, it's, it's still like 10 years later, more than 10 years later, it's still kind of pinch me every morning, you right. know, to, right. to go from being that, you know, fat, overweight guy who, you know, one of the excuses I made was that I had to be Big Chuck on Big 100.3. And that was the only way I was ever going to have a job in media was to be that overweight character. Right. right. Character. Right. Right. See? Keep That's point. right. And, uh, and nothing could be further from the truth. That's like, exactly I, I have a, a far better job. Like, I loved my time there. But, you know, this is, this is a far healthier path and a happier path. And, you know, that was just an excuse. I'm still doing exactly what it is that I want to do. That's I right. love coming to work every single day and, you know, get to share this information like you and I have been talking about now for the past, I can't even tell how long, <laughs> but for, for a while, you know, and, and it's, it's such a privilege. Like, it's so cool. And, and that goes back to what you were saying at the top of the show about finding your, your why. why. Yeah. yeah. Find your why and, you know, everything else falls Follows. into place. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Doc, thank you so very much, Dr. Jazz. You are upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. You can make an appointment to go see her. She is uh, a very real person. I promise you this. <laughs> BarnardMedical.org is the place to go to make that appointment. And, oh, by the way, if you really, really, really want to get down to the nuts and the bolts and have your hand held all the way through this transition process coming up January 10th and 11th is a phenomenal event called our Kickstart Intensive. And we are bringing in all sorts of experts from across the country to be there. All of our experts here from the Physicians Committee are going to be there. Dr. Barnard will be there. We will give you the A to Z about adopting a plant-based diet. We're going to show you how to cook, what to buy. We'll give you that list. And then, you know, we're going to bring you into the kitchen, too. We're going to show you what gadgets are really going to help you as you cook. We talked about a, a wonderful nonstick cookware, which is mm-hmm. so critically important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and plus, and plus, we're going to feed you. Oh. I mean, all that talk about food. Yeah. You know? It's delicious. I've been there. This event. So good. Yeah. It's at the Grand Hyatt. I know these chefs. We've had these chefs on the show. They do such great work over Mm -hmm. there. Uh, That's uh, Chef Darren Lee and and his crew over there at the Grand Hyatt. So here's the deal right now. Uh, Exclusive just for exam room listeners because it is the new year and we want to get you guys going on the right foot January 10th and 11th. And we want you to get going with a friend or a family member. Get healthy together, right? So here's what we can do. Uh, Buy one ticket. When you do, we will send you a link. You can purchase a second ticket for only $20. 
That's a huge wow. savings. Yes. Huge savings. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, uh, yeah, right? No kidding. Uh, you know, I mean, for 20 bucks alone, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, just the meals alone that you're going to get, right. you know, served are, are worth way more than that. And plus, you're going to learn the how-to. You're going to hear from, you know, all of these different doctors. They're going to walk you through it, A to Z, doctors, nutritionists. You're going to hear inspirational stories and testimonials. I'll be speaking there on that Friday the 10th, the morning of, so I would really love to to see you there January 10th and 11th Grand Hyatt DC we have a link to register right now in the show notes for this episode you can also visit pcrm.org and just search for kickstart intensive and you will find the page there to register as well and when you do make sure that you take advantage of this offer buy one ticket you will be emailed a link for a second ticket for just $20. Give the gift of health for just $20 in 2020. Huh? Yay, yeah. I love that. Pretty cool, right? Uh, Dr. Jess, thank you so very much for your thank time you for today. Thank you having me, Chuck. This has this been is awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely going to come back, right? You're going <laughs> to come back? Thank you. Total, I'm, I'm right upstairs. Right just on. Just call me. Right, okay. I'll, come, I'll run down. Make the show your why. Oh, <laughs> huh? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jazz, bringing the knowledge here on the exam. What a bundle of energy. I really honestly cannot wait to get her back on the show. So now that we know a little bit more about the how, let's focus a little bit more on the why, scientifically speaking. And for that, I want to revisit a conversation I had with Dr. Neil Barnard. He's stepping into the exam room with me to go over so many of the health benefits that research shows come right along with eliminating meat and dairy from your diet. We're talking about everything from lowering cholesterol to reducing the risk of cancer and improving and possibly even reversing heart disease and diabetes, plus reducing the risk of Alzheimer's disease, erectile dysfunction, improving your skin's health, and so much else. And all of this is backed up by science. In the home stretch here on the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the health benefits of going vegan. I mean, we could talk about these for days and centuries even. Um, let's start with the basics, man. I mean, the big ones, weight loss. Yeah, it's it's for many people the number one reason why they go to a vegan diet uh, because weight loss is is just practically automatic. And the beauty of it is it starts like right away. Now, you don't want to go for super fast weight loss. What you want to go for is permanent weight loss. Um, so it can take its time. Now, some people do lose weight really quickly, um, some more gradually. But can I maybe mention why? Yeah, abso- absolutely. You know, because i got to tell you, Chuck, some people think, what are you talking about? How can I possibly lose weight? Because you're eating all those carbs. You're eating rice. Mm-hmm. You're eating potatoes. You're eating bread. You're eating spaghetti. And there's no limit in the research studies we do, there's no limit on how much you're eating. And so people sometimes who, who have been dieting, they're afraid. But a couple things become clear soon. First of all, carbohydrates have only four cal. This will not be on the test. Uh, <laughs> carbohydrates have only four calories per gram. Maybe it will be on the test. This is important. Uh, carbohydrates, whether it's from bread or pasta or rice, have only four calories in a gram. But fats have nine calories. So what if I throw out all that fatty meat and all that fatty cheese, that's nine calories per gram, I'm losing 
and I'm eating rice instead, only four calories per gram in the carbs. Um, so suddenly we realized why people in Japan were always really skinny while they were eating rice. Right. And why they gained weight when McDonald's came in and put in burgers and, and cheese and so forth, and, and they moved away from rice. So anyway, when you're on a plant-based diet, you're eating the healthy grains and beans and vegetables and fruits. You're not eating much fat. So it's, it's naturally low in calories. But there's two other things. Just real quick, uh, everything you're eating has fiber in it. Yeah. Vegetables and beans. Fiber has effectively no calories, but it fills you up. So you just push away from the table quicker. And the third thing, in research studies, we have been measuring people's calorie burning speed, their metabolism, and it actually increases a little bit on a vegan diet. And at some point, I'd love to share with you why that is. But your your after meal calorie burn. Yeah. Uh, in a study that we published back a decade ago, we found that in, in people not worrying about how much they eat, they just go to a low-fat vegan diet, their after-meal calorie burn bumps up by about 16%. Is that the resting metabolic rate? Um, it's The resting metabolic rate is where you start, and then you have breakfast, and now it's your postprandial calorie burn or after-meal burn, and that's the one that goes up. And it'll go up for maybe three, four hours. You think, well, what good, what good's that? You know, a three, three, four hours calorie burn it happens after every meal. Mm-hmm. So, sixteen percent is not a lot, but if I get a sixteen percent advantage after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, that can add up to some real weight loss over time. So, a vegan diet, naturally modest in calories, it's got the fiber to churn off your appetite fairly promptly. Right. Um, and third. It gets your metabolism more back to like when you were 16 years old. Sure. And with weight loss, wow, 16, that's awesome. Uh, with, with the weight loss obviously comes a slew of other health benefits, you know, lower cholesterol, uh, lower blood pressure. We've heard uh, countless stories upstairs from the Barnard Medical Center, you know, e- people even reversing type 2 diabetes. I mean, this yes. is this is just a, almost a cure-all. Yeah, well, I always encourage people, don't fire your doctor. If you've got diabetes, that's a serious condition. Sure. Same for high cholesterol, whatever. But run, do not walk to a vegan diet. Um, If a person has diabetes, particularly if you catch it early, you've got a good shot of getting rid of it completely. Um, If you've had diabetes for a longer period of time, you still want to go to a vegan diet. It'll improve. In some cases, it will go away. And most importantly, those complications of nerve pain or where your kidneys are attacked or or your eyes might be attacked, the likelihood of any of those things can be dramatically reduced Mm -hmm. by a healthy diet and lifestyle. So um, do talk to your doctor about it. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing. When people go on a vegan diet, their blood sugars start to go down and down and down and down. And if they're also on insulin, it can go down so low that you'll start to shake. You know, you, you've, oh, got, wow. you've got hypoglycemia. So um, I always encourage people to, say, to, to, to speak with their doctor. Let them know they're doing this vegan diet so the doctor can adjust their medications down when the time comes. But, yeah, go for that. You know, don't go the rest of your life. Just thinking, got diabetes, it's always going to be this way, nothing I can do about it, I'm going to be on a sack full of medications forever. Maybe, but let's give you a shot at, at reducing that or maybe getting rid of it completely. So those are ailments that you have already, but as we know, nutrition is also big for preventative medicine. You know, just the benefits as far as like lowering the risk for chronic diseases, I mean, that is just staggering. We've seen just more than a dozen links between food and cancer now, right? Well... Yes, um, and the st- statistics are, are frightening. Uh, a third of women get cancer at some point. Mm. 
uh, breast cancer, uterine cancer, colorectal cancer. Uh, for men, same story, prostate cancer and others. Um, and you're not going to eliminate all of that, but a plant-based diet can, can hugely reduce the risk. So you throw out the cigarettes, you throw out the meat and the, the cheese and so forth, eat healthy things, and your risk of cancer goes way, way down. What about Alzheimer's? That, i got to tell you, Alzheimer's is, I think, the, 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 the new frontier. We used to think it was all old age and genetics. But in 1993, the Chicago Health and Aging Project started looking at diet and found that when you make certain diet changes, or, or when you follow certain diet patterns, I really should say, um, the risk of Alzheimer's is much lower. And it turns out that it's almost exactly like what's good for the heart, more plant foods, mm-hmm. uh, getting away from the saturated fat that's in dairy and in meat and so forth. Um, these things seem to not just protect the heart, they also pr- seem to protect the brain. And one of the things that fascinates me is epigenetics. And Alzheimer's, unfortunately, is, is very prominent in my family. And I'm, uh, I'll be flat out honest with you. I'm terrified of, of getting that when I'm older. So I'm trying to do everything in my power to you know lower that that risk but um that there is a strong link there between you know say twins you know one goes plant-based the other one doesn't one gets alzheimer's the other one doesn't there is a gene called the apoe epsilon for allele um you, you get this gene from mom uh your risk of having alzheimer's has just been tripled mm. if you got it from dad two so you got it from both sides of your family, your risk is 10 to 15 times higher than other people. Mm. So up until this point, neurologists have said, I can do your blood tests and I can tell you, and then it's just a question of getting old enough for this to hit. No. Um, Genes are not destiny. And if you have those genes, but you follow a healthy lifestyle, those genes may never become active. And we learned about this, actually, we learned about this with smoking. There are genes for lung cancer. Uh, There are. There are genes that that if you've got this gene, you're at a higher risk for lung cancer. What does the gene do? What the gene does is it makes it harder for your body to eliminate carcinogens. So you're a smoker. You inhale. The carcinogens go into your lungs, and genetically you can't get rid of the carcinogens. You get lung cancer. Somebody else who doesn't have that gene, they can get rid of the carcinogens more easily. But But what does that mean? Even if I got the gene, if I never smoked then the carcinogens aren't going into me. So who cares if I got the gene or not? Um, All the gene did was make it harder to to clean myself out. Same with diabetes. There are genes for diabetes, but if I don't eat unhealthy foods and I lace up my sneakers every now and then, um, can I reduce my risk of diabetes? Absolutely. And that is also true for Alzheimer's. Researchers in Scandinavia looked at memory problems in older folks and those who were avoiding the bad fats, cheese, ice cream, meat, People who are generally avoiding them had about 80% reduced risk of memory problems compared to those who were digging into the big fats, even if they had the genes that should bring them there. I'm sure that's going to bring comfort to a a lot of people who are kind of in the same position I am, you know, just fearful. Well, we're right to be afraid. I mean, when you get Alzheimer's, you lose everything. Yeah. Um, And I have it in my family, too, and and that's true of, you know, lots of people. there is so much that a person can do 
to move the needle in a healthier direction. And of course, those who are going vegan today, today is the big day. There still may be some questions lingering in their brain. They, they, they know some questions, maybe some myths, maybe some untruths. Maybe their friends have said something. Maybe their family has said something. Maybe they're just curious about it. But Dr. Barnard, we need to debunk some of these myths here. You bet. One of the big ones I think that uh, non-vegans have is that you just can't get enough protein in your diet without meat. True or false? You know, it's a funny thing. Um, Back in the 1950s, dietitians looked at it and it became very, very clear that there's abundant protein in plant products. But that question just will not die. (laughs) Every every new vegan, you're at a party and other people, the the first thing they have to say is, where do you get your protein? The person asking doesn't necessarily know what protein is, but they have to ask you where you're getting it. Um, So it it is a myth. The idea that a vegan diet is going to be low in protein, complete myth. But let me give you a couple details. Um, The first thing is if you went to the zoo and you looked at the biggest elephant there, or the tallest giraffe, or you went to a racetrack and you saw the, the fastest stallion, or you looked out in the field and you saw the biggest bull. Th- these are all vegans. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got rippling musculature. Um, where do they get it? Uh, do plants actually have protein? Yeah, uh, they do. Let me give you some numbers. Let's say you're eating uh, a typical diet. The average person might get maybe 2,000 calories of, of just food every day. And the government would say, if you're a man, maybe 56 grams of protein is what you need. Okay, I'm going to do it all vegan. In fact, all I'm going to do for a day as an experiment, all I'm going to do is eat broccoli, nothing but broccoli. Do you know, Not that you should do this, but if you did, you would get 147 grams of pure protein just from the broccoli. So about three times as much as your body actually needs. Um, okay, next day, we're going to do the experiment. Now, only lentils, nothing but lentils. For a, a day, I'm going to get 2,000 calories worth of just lentils. Is there any protein in that? 157 grams of pure wow. protein. So hopefully you're not doing just broccoli or just lentils. You're doing a mixture of these things. If you ate nothing but corn, you would get uh, protein as well. And if you mix them together then you get the all the different what are called essential amino acids. That, those are the building blocks of protein. And most all foods have, most plant foods have all of them, but in different combinations. And any, any combination of just normal plant foods, the vegetables and the beans and the grains and some fruits, that gives you the protein your body needs. What about spinach? Can, can spinach really keep you pumped like Popeye? Spinach has protein. It's all, and it's also got iron. That's what Popeye was thinking about. Iron no. along with protein. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, can we talk about athletes? You know lots of athletes. Yeah. You, know, you have worked with many, 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 Big many. Big sports guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so people think, all right, you're an athlete. You need more protein. Uh, true. But you don't need more protein from animal products at all. Think of it this way. An athlete is sedentary. Doing nothing needs oxygen. The, when, the, when he or she breathes, the oxygen comes in as part of air. And now we're exercising. It's the season. We're working hard. Uh, am I breathing more? Yes. Am I getting more oxygen? Yes. Do I need an oxygen tank? No. Um, so if I'm sedentary, I need a certain amount of protein. If I'm working out more, do I need more protein? Yes. You eat food. Protein is part of the food. And you just get the protein you need without any special supplements. Hmm. You can supplement if you want. There's plenty of vegan pure protein supplements, but it's not something you really need. Uh, 
then the question becomes, okay, if we're not short on protein, maybe we're missing out on some vitamins and minerals. B12 is the biggest concern among people who are plant-based, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a legitimate question, but it's a real easy one, too. Uh, B12 is interesting. It's not made by animals, and it's not made by plants. Hmm. B12, vitamin B12, which you need for healthy nerves and healthy blood, is actually made by bacteria. And Who <laughs> knew? That's right. And the reason it's associated with animal products is that in the digestive tract of a cow, uh, there are bacteria, and they make B12, and it gets into the meat, and you eat the meat, you get the B12. Um, you happen to have those same bacteria in your gut, and they make B12 too, but whether you absorb it is really not clear. Um, most people would say, no, it's made by bacteria that are too far along in your digestive tract, and you can't absorb it. Um, so many people speculate that before the advent of modern hygiene, the bacteria in the soil, on our fingers, in our mouths, would create this tiny bit of B12 that we need. The human requirement is 2.4 micrograms. It's very, very little. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was before modern hygiene, we would get that just from daily life. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, so I encourage people to not play around with it and to take a B12 supplement. Uh, how much? A small one. Uh, when you go to the store, they, they all have more than 2.4 micrograms, and some of them have... 10,000 micrograms. Right. Just take the, kind of the smallest one you can find. If you take a multiple vitamin, it's got um, B12 in it too, but you don't want to miss it. So what other vitamins then should we be looking at as far as supplementation? Uh, really just one, I think, and that's vitamin D. Now, vitamin D, uh, its natural source is sunlight. Sun on your skin, everybody knows, creates vitamin D. And when human beings were living in Africa... Uh, in equatorial Africa, there's plenty of sun. You don't need a vitamin D supplement. But we had the bad judgment to move to North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> or at least my forebears did. Right. Or maybe New Jersey or Finland or you name it. And there's not a lot of sun there necessarily. And it's kind of cold sometimes times a year. And frankly, you can be in Florida. And if you're using sunscreen, you're not getting the vitamin D either. Interesting. Yep. So what do you do? You take a vitamin D supplement in that case. Um, if you're getting regular sunlight... About 20 minutes a day on your face and arms, fine. But if you're not, uh, take a vitamin D supplement. About 2,000 international units a day is what most doctors would say. Calcium, tied very closely to that vitamin D. What? Oh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chuck, because uh, what do you need vitamin D for? You need it to absorb calcium. That's right. It, it, it's also a cancer preventer to hmm. a degree. But you do need calcium. Um, and so what's the question? All right, uh, would I, uh, I get calcium from dairy, I'm not eating dairy, where can I get the, the calcium? Um, the answer is that cows don't make calcium. Cows do not make calcium, period. Oh, that's a myth debunker. The calcium is in the earth, it's in the ground, it's in the soil, and grass grows out of the soil and it carries the calcium up into the grass, the cow eats the grass, and the calcium just ends up in the milk. Now, you can eat green vegetables too, hopefully not grass, <laughs> but if you're eating kale, college, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, green vegetables... They take the calcium from the earth, and it's actually more absorbable in the green vegetable than it is as milk. Huh. And I'll give you a couple numbers. Um, milk, about 30%, 32% of the calcium is absorbed. The rest just flushes through you. Hmm. Um, for green vegetables, closer to 50%, maybe higher. Wow. And, and broccoli, if I'm not mistaken, that is a calcium powerhouse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it sure is. Um, the, the, all the cruciferous vegetables named for their cross-shaped flowers um, have calcium. So that's broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower. Calcium-rich. 
Um, and if you're not eating those foods, you're, you're missing a whole lot more than calcium. So bring those in. You can have broccoli for breakfast if you want. So these are healthy foods. And matter of fact, I mean, that just brings me to my next question is how do we ensure then that we are getting everything that we need? Because obviously, you know, we're, we, we've known about the food pyramid. We've been taught that our entire lives, but that's not necessarily the route that you want to take. So as, as somebody who is vegan, you know, what is, what is the equivalent of the food pyramid? Great. There? Okay. Fabulous. Here's the way to do it. And, and we have rated diets, and there is a tool that was developed at Harvard University. It's a rating system that allows us to look at the healthfulness of a diet that you're adopting. It's called the Alternate Healthy Eating Inventory um, or Alternate Healthy Eating Index. So here's what you do. Um, four healthy food groups should be your staples, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and legumes, or that's the bean group, beans, sure. peas, lentils. So vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and legumes. And if you're building your diet from those and leaving the animal products out, you're going to get plenty of vitamins. You're going to get the mi- minerals you need. But two uh, additional points, emphasize the green leafy vegetables. They've really got such health power mm-hmm. and include a B12 supplement. That's it. Ta-da. If you're never getting any sun, Got to think about vitamin D, but that's it. Those healthy four food groups, think about the greens, uh, vitamin B12. And this is also the formula for a healthy kid's diet, too. So you got a six-year-old child who says, I'm going vegan. Best decision he or she could ever make for healthy food groups, B12, reset. If, after all of that, you're still curious about a thing or two, no problem. Send us your questions, and we will do our best to get them answered on the show. I'm on Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. That's also good for Instagram. And the Physicians Committee can be found on Twitter, at PCRM, and on the gram, at Physicians Committee. Get us your questions, and soon we will be opening up the doctor's mailbag to answer as many of them as possible. And if you're more of a hands-on type of learner, you don't want to do things online, you'd rather do them in person, I would love for you to join me and more than a dozen other nutrition experts, including Dr. Barnard, for a two-day program that will show you everything that you need to know about going vegan. We call it the Kickstart Intensive, and that, my friend, is simply because it's intense, all right, but in a good way. You know, so much information will be coming at you from more than a dozen of those leading experts in the medical community. Everybody from doctors and nutritionists, I'm going to be speaking there as well. Would love to have you join us on Friday, January 10th and Saturday, January 11th at the Grand Hyatt, Washington, right here in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And you don't have to come alone either. A lot of people will be bringing a friend or someone from their family so they can begin this plant-based journey together. And I have a special offer just for you. When you buy one ticket at regular price, you can get a second for just $20. Give the gift of health in 2020 for just $20. So when you register for that first ticket, you will receive a link to buy the second at that ridiculously discounted price. Two days, 
it will be. Two days and you will learn everything you need to know about getting going on a plant-based diet and the ins and outs of nutrition in person. And maybe you've already been plant-based for a while. This could be the perfect way to fine-tune your diet and really optimize your health. And the lineup for this event, it is out of this world. Dr. Barnard, he's going to be there. Dr. James Loomis, you know him from the Game Changers documentary, he's going to be there. The Fiber Queen, Lee Crosby, been on this show so many times. She will be there. Dietitian Maggie Neola, also a friend of the exam room, she will be there. Dr. Vanita Raman from the Barnard Medical Center, she will be speaking. And Dr. Raman, she has an amazing weight loss story of her own. She's going to be there on hand sharing that and teaching you what you need to know as well. Everyone will be there. It's going to be extraordinary. And here's some of the other things you're going to learn. Like here's some of the practical stuff that really makes this worthwhile. You will learn how to make quick, healthy meals so you don't have to spend hours cooking. Who has the time for that? So we're going to show you how to do that and you will learn the best gadgets to buy to make life in the kitchen so much easier, so much more efficient. And you will learn the science behind nutrition. Dr. Barnard, he will be speaking on breaking the food seduction and power foods for the brain. You know how powerful food can be. I've shared this story so many times on the show about how I couldn't go a day without fast food, without flying into a rage because I wasn't getting my fix. So why does that happen? Dr. Barnard will be there to teach us all about it and how to reverse heart disease, how to overcome emotional eating. You know that? We're so reactionary. Food is comfort to so many of us. So how can we get going on a healthier cycle than that? We'll also be learning about the myths of the keto diet and... For those of us who have a sweet tooth, by goodness golly, if you go plant-based, it doesn't mean that you have to give up that sweet, sweet stuff because we will be showing you how to make healthy plant-based desserts for goodness sakes. And speaking of all that food, we're going to feed you too. The food, I mean, I'm telling you, it is worth the price of admission alone. The chefs at the Grand Hyatt, they are going out of their way to make this a tasty experience that you will never, ever forget. So to register, just visit pcrm.org and search for Kickstart Intensive or just click the link in the show notes for this episode. And remember, when you buy one ticket at regular price, we will send you a link to purchase a second for only $20. And my friend, I would love to meet you there. So there you have it. Everything you need to know about getting your plant-based diet off on the right foot. Make this the year that you not only lose the weight, but the year that you keep it off for good. My thanks again to my guests this week, my first guests of the new year, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Jasmine Sardana, and of course, Dr. Neil Barnard. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. 
And I want to wish you the very healthiest and very happiest new year. And in this new year, remember, keep it plant-based. <laughs>